everyone. This is William Del Pilar, and we are fired up. Most of you know me as a conservative Latino, and most of you know my cohort, Mrs. Karen Roseberry. If you found us, you found us on sportsgrumblings.com or Rumble, and we thank you for the support. And we've got a very special guest again. And I say special because knowledgeable, grassroots oriented, and I love saying this. He's kind of like me. Doesn't it isn't afraid to sugarcoat it. And that is Mark Ang. And Mark is the founder of Asian Industry Business to Business and the president of American Citizens Alliance. He is a community Thank organizer. Thank you guys. Really nice to be here. Oh. <laughs> okay, Mark's done a lot, but make sure you catch his work at Newsweek uh, as he's a published author there and everywhere else. Uh, Mark wants to get right into it, so let's 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 do it. Uh, first of all, let's talk about Gascon again. He is uh, national news, but he's the type of national news that that's short in the news cycle. He comes and goes. I was ironically talking to a friend of mine on the East Coast. He goes, "Yeah, I saw something about it in the recall." So I think it's pretty good to let people know uh, who he is. He's he's one of Soros elected prosecutors, and he seeks to reduce incarceration and criminal penalties. Uh, Mark, if you can go in a little deeper on that. Uh, in, in terms Real quick, of, uh, just to clarify, he's the district attorney of Los Angeles County as well. That he is. <laughs> that he is. And Mark, uh, if you can give us a little bit of information in terms of what you've seen and, and your thoughts in regarding Gascon and him coming into the position. Well, I think uh, a lot of people elected Gascon without knowing really what he's about. So immediately after he got elected, you know, a lot of activism came out of his policies. So people started waking up and, you know, uh, Karen and I have seen that movement uh, grow where people are starting to realize, hey, you know, he's letting felons out. He's basically the criminal, you know, I'm, I'm all about criminal justice reform. I'm all about fighting wrongful incarceration, but there is a delicate balance here when murderers are being let off in the streets uh you know out of the name of compassion but there is no compassion compassion for the victims so that is one of the reasons i decided to get involved with you know something that affects uh because while i'm not an la county resident i am an la county business owner so my business is in la county and we have noticed uh you know prevalence of homeless increase and uh, just, you know, general theft and things that are going on in what's even supposed to be a quiet suburban neighborhood of Claremont. So these are the types of things that uh, affects all people that are in county lines, whether you live there or you do business there. And Gascon, um, you know, and we'll get more into this as we, I'm sure, as we progress within the topics. But um, this has been a very interesting journey because initially it came from, you know, a desire to make Los Angeles County or salvage uh, Los Angeles County because it's not as bad as, say, San Francisco. But we're starting to see there's a learning curve here that it hasn't hit rock bottom yet. But also on top of that, uh, torpedoing this recall effort was a bunch of uh, people that are supposed to be on our side, but it's the Republican consultants. So we'll get to that in a bit, I'm sure. So, right, you know, go, just, go ahead, Karen. Just, just to recap real quick and to springboard off of everything that Mark just said. 
So yes, the, the, the effort to recall Gascon actually did start very early in his, his office and as he came in, because the very day that he was sworn into office, he issued a series of directives that he would say was what he campaigned on, but went far, far to an extreme beyond that. Uh, it went from everything to not prosecuting juvenile offenders pretty much whatsoever to the abolition of the strike enhancements to the abolition of uh, special enhancements, whether it was gun charges, whether it was, you know, previous charges. And that's where we're really seeing some problems come, the, the abolishing of bail. And so the, the directives that he had were actually dangerous and actually went far outside the scope of, of that on which he campaigned right after he swears to uphold and defend the the oath of office to prosecute criminals. So so here he is not going after gang enhancements, gun charges, not going after the juvenile offenders who are committing heinous crimes that might be just months away from their 18th birthday. And then over the course of these past 18 months, we've been seeing the effects of those dangerous directives. So yes, it started early on because those of us that were watching this knew what happens when you roll back to a level that that Gascon was going to so that lawlessness essentially is going to ensue. And if you look around and if you read the reports, Los Angeles County is essentially almost turning into an old West town of, of needing vigilante justice where victims receive no justice and individuals have to take down criminals in the street on their own yeah. or, you know, pretty much, you know, revert back to seriously a form of a wild, wild West in order to just protect themselves from the the criminal activity that is taking place in Los Angeles County. You know, as you were saying that, I smiled. Now that what you were saying is, I'm thinking, pale rider, we need somebody to come in and save the day. But there has been pushback. I mean, he alienated the deputy prosecutors and they, uh, as an association, I believe, they sued and they won an invalidation order. And there's been public backlash. Mark, uh, uh, are you? I'm sure you're familiar with it. The 26-year-old woman, she was uh, charged as a juvenile. Then she committed, because she committed the crime at 17, then years later, she's 20-something and they still charge her. Uh, do you think that was a catalyst in terms of uh, pushing this into a national type arena and more people got noticed uh, in order to try to recall them? Absolutely. I think, you know, uh, people especially that have had similar experiences, say victims that have been through, uh, you know, on the victim side of things, of course, will connect to these stories and go, what the hell is going on? Right. So uh, that's exactly the basically the WTF moments that uh, have woken a lot of people up to, you know, wanting to uh, get involved and you know, Karen and I, uh, with Recall Gascon now, we're able to see a lot of people in the community that were affected, uh, you know, from uh, moms of murdered children that had, you know, gotten, uh, uh, you know, that are dealing with some of the real world effects of Gascon's overturning of certain policies, like letting the murderers back on the streets, which would, you know, worry uh, um, any family member because even though their child is deceased already uh, there's the worry about revenge and you know and uh, the the safety of the surviving family members so this is the type of thing that is really a frightening when you know you have an activist DA that's not doing uh, things based on the rule of law or even common sense so that's where a lot of people under him, uh, the deputy DAs all see, 
you know, that there's, uh, um, you know, something that's just not right. And, you know, we've interacted with a lot of them, not only deputy DAs, but the sheriff's department. And I myself am working very closely with Sheriff Alex Villanueva. I am, I am in his uh, community advisory council. Uh, so we, I just got sworn in as a deputy uh, the other day. So that was really, uh, you know, eye-opening because a lot of my, the fellow people that, um, uh, you know, Sheriff Alex Villanueva is a Democrat. So this is not a partisan thing. And a lot of the people that were involved were people from different parties. There, a lot of them were Democrats, but we all can agree on law and order. Right. And especially those minorities that, you know, and we're mostly minorities uh, because, you know, to Sheriff Alex's credit, he has really kind of focused on going to the different ethnic enclaves of Los Angeles and really building up communities. So I'm Filipino. So, you know, I'm going to be working very closely with the Filipino communities in Carson, Long Beach, Cerritos um, and West Covina, all these places that have a lot of, you know, my people. But um, especially minority communities, communities, we have to deal with a lot of crime and a lot of, you know, uh, real, real life gritty stuff that I'm sorry, but a lot of white people in um, like the coastal beach cities have no clue. And it's a lot of those people that think it's fun and games voting in someone like Gascon because he's woke and everything. But let me tell you, a lot of my friends that are Democrats um, were behind this effort, including some of my good friends, uh, Hispanic friends in Eagle Rock that actually know some of the victims like uh, Desiree uh, Andrade, one of, my, one of my good friends growing up uh, know, uh, knows Desiree and went to school with her. And, and she's a hardcore Democrat. We had like our, our differences on things and she's fully behind the recall Gascon effort because we know if you live in the inner cities or you know, areas where there's a lot of gang activity, you know it's not practical to let murderers back on the streets or to have zero bail. And and you can see, you can see the fact that this was definitely a a nonpartisan drive to get Gascon out when 98% or 97.9% of the district attorney's office actually supported his recall as well. I mean, there was a vote. So not only did they have the, the ADAs or, and the DDAs, uh, you know, through the uh, LA, a DDA association, um, there take him to court. So yeah, it's like la di da, but then you know, take him to court in, in what you referenced early on, William. But then there actually was a vote of the of the deputy district attorneys as well to support the recall, and they did overwhelmingly so. Uh, so you know, it, it's it's hard to spin that you've got you know ninety eight percent of the office you know being you know partisan in nature you know about this you know that this this was across the board in terms of people that actually, you know, wanted Gascon out. And so that was sort of a talking point of his. But it does speak to the fact that the messaging of the recall effort never broke out of that mold successfully enough to really draw in the groups that Mark was speaking about, to really bring in the minority community, to get them to be really the faces and the spokespeople of this effort. What we saw as the spokespeople of this effort consistently were the attorneys and, and were the lawyers. And that that didn't or, lend or as much politicians, Karen. Yep. Yes, you know, yes. pe- people like the one that lost to our current uh, vice president right now. Uh, that couldn't be likable enough in a year when he could have won statewide. 
decided, you know, it, it decided to become the face of this. And you know what? Good for him. He wants to revive a dead political career, but it's at the expense of our victims and the people that really, like Karen said, would have been the right face for this uh, movement. It's right. regular, everyday people. Right. And when we Republicans tainted it. When we look really quick, William, just, just, just bring more one other thing off of that, and then we'll <laughs> gladly get to you as well. But when we look at how the Chesa Boudin recall was successful, and we look at the involvement of the minority community, especially the Asian community, and admittedly, the San Francisco demographics are going to lend to that, but that could have been a model off of which to take and heed and to, to follow. And that included bringing in a, a more diverse sector and more diverse voices for why the recall was necessary. Right, and so. to uh, jump on that in terms of uh, Mark's point, people getting released early, uh, they served their time, but two parties were a plea deal and only served a, a few months. And right now they're accused of killing a combined three cops. These, there's two separate trials. And uh, I mean, not, cops aren't even safe. And it seems they're getting the same political support. There are some Democrats, uh, the sheriff, as you said, is a big Democrat who who doesn't look at this in partisan eyes. Uh, but Gascon is still getting support from politicians, the L.A. Dem Dem uh, Democratic Party, labor unions. And the truth of the matter is, uh, I believe that these people supporting it are probably people who don't live in these urban areas where most of the crime is happening. What are your thoughts on that, Mark? Absolutely. I mean, uh, in their glass houses from Marina Del Rey or or even Santa Monica, I mean, a lot of Malibu. I mean, all of these people um, are sheltered from the realities of what people in the inner city go through in rougher areas of, you know, I mentioned Eagle Rock earlier, but there's also, you know, other uh, spots like, you know, let's say South LA, Southgate, um, uh, even places like Norwalk, Whittier, you know, some of some there, we have some pretty rough neighborhoods with a lot of gang activity, San Fernando Valley, Reseda, you know, where uh, places like, uh, you know, um, Van Nuys. I mean, there's so many, so many areas where gangs have are like ruling the streets. And like Karen had said earlier, like a vigilante, uh, you know, residents have to like basically um, defend themselves because are the police going to be there? No. And now the, the criminals are emboldened because they're like, well, there's no consequence. I could get arrested and then the DA is not going to prosecute me. And, and so, Mark, ha, Mark, ha, ha. speaking of no consequence, the, uh, the LAPD slashes the homicide division to just 10 people despite the spikes in the murder rate. So not only is the crime rising, those same individuals uh, you and Karen have been talking about, they're not going to see any added protection. They're probably going to lose some of the police that, that, that go through their neighborhoods and, and communities. And that's why we're literally seeing shop owners on Twitter having to tackle offenders that are in their places of business as they're, you know, attacking elderly, you know, clientele in, in their place of business. You know, they've got their guests. They have, you know, they're, you know, they're trying to conduct business in, in their 
their operations, you know, that they're in their store, they're in their, their, their business and their organization, their clientele is being accosted by criminals so that they actually have to intercede. And it was, yeah, like I said, I mean, you, you, if you look for it, you know, literally having to tackle him into the street to get the wallet back that was, he took from one of his, his customers. Right. And it's not just, we're talking about the people who are free living, yeah. Yeah. trying to live a, a free life, a free, honest life. Uh, there's, there's, Death row inmates, I call them the Gascon success stories uh, because he's trying to get a lot of death row inmates off off death row and then give them life without parole. But I'm, I'm a bit Which educated. is a joke, by the way. You have to understand because Gascon, I mean, you probably, I'm probably stealing your thunder and I apologize. Go, go ahead, go but, ahead. but not only, I mean, it might start with, okay, they're going to be taken off of a death row and put allegedly on life without parole, but he believes in elder release. So when they hit 50, they're going to be out. So now you have someone that was sentenced to death, who wasn't going to get the death penalty anyway, thanks to Newsom and or Gascon, who's now being sentenced to allegedly life without parole, but life without parole under Gascon's you know, nightmarish, you know, vision that we all are living under is now elder release and, and being out at essentially 50. Right. Now, here's some people uh, on death row that are no longer on death row. And I just want to highlight a few because I think they're pretty bad and, and vicious and brutal and savage. It, you know, it's just the basic instinct of human nature unchecked. Uh, Carmen Ward, a gang member who killed two teenagers for crossing into his neighborhood. Douglas Kelly, a personal trainer who sexually assaulted, then stabbed his client 30 times with a pair of scissors. Carlos Hawthorne, convicted of hogtying a woman and her 16-year-old daughter before shooting them both in the head. These are brutal, brutal murders, and they're going to be eligible for parole at some time, regardless of the life, you know, without parole, uh, that they're telling the public. Do you see this, uh, Mark, first and then Karen, do you see this as a two-step process Gascon has in the back of his head to free this criminal despite telling families, oh, you don't have anything to worry about. They're not going to get out. What are your thoughts on that, Mark? Is this very devious on his part? Yeah, I think that uh, Gascon wants to obviously do some damage control on his reputation already. So he's doing, saying a lot of things that are patently untrue to defend, you know, to basically try to appear mainstream, but what he's doing is not mainstream at all. And, you know, let's not even like, I know we're talking about very extreme cases, but even like in the Asian community, um, crime has been going on for a long time, whether it's, you know, property break-ins, which has been a real problem in a lot of our middle-class Asian cities, like say Arcadia, say, uh, you know, uh, Roland Heights, Hacienda Heights, all that. Um, these areas have been victim already for, you know, for a lot of Asians. And um, that's increasing. And think about how many times those things don't get reported either. But property break-ins is no laughing matter. Or how about businesses that are being really screwed over right now because the homeless problem is, the homeless are getting emboldened so now the homeless are going and uh, shutting down, basically causing problems for businesses um, like loitering in front of restaurants, harassing and panhandling uh, patrons. You know, all of these things are, you know, are some of the less 
sexy because it's easy to talk about like gang gang members being released on the streets but things that really affect your everyday life those things under gascon has really been uh you know affected in a negative way so i really want to bring that up as well because you know it's not all just you know dramatic cases of murder and rape but there's also you know just your everyday like living that's affected and that can't be underscored enough uh, i obviously no, 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 I'm, just gonna, I'm sorry, Mark, go ahead. Uh, I, say, I completely agree with what he's saying, and it can't be underscored enough because it ties the hands of law enforcement to be able to go after what are traditionally called lower-level crimes. But when those lower-level crimes are not actually addressed, they the criminals that are responsible for them go on to those bigger-level crimes. So if we could have addressed the, the ones that Mark is speaking about, and if we could actually affect those quality of life, you know, and actually, you know, improve the quality of life by getting the criminals off the streets who are committing these crimes, then the bigger crimes that we know and we see them committing later on could also be stopped because it is a rare, rare case when someone automatically their first crime is one of those big ticket crimes. It has been a progressive movement through the criminal justice system where there hasn't even now been a slap on the hand because they literally are being turned out without bail for having you know been arrested for exactly the type of crimes that Mark was just speaking about. Right. I uh, I try to tell my friends who see no big deal about this because of you know their ideological beliefs. I go, I don't know one person who likes it when a bum goes to their car at the stoplight with the window washer. Right. I go, it sounds silly. You, you then get nervous because you don't want to give him any money. And and you know, if you don't give him any money, you don't know how he's going to react. So you're in fear while you're sitting there. And I always tell him, think of the homeless in front of the restaurants and stores doing this, not just to the employees, but the customers. They're just going to go elsewhere. And that's the dilemma that they don't want to connect or, or see the ability to connect, you know? Now, looking at some numbers, though, uh, uh, we know Gascon is is simply put really not helping the community out. Exactly. Uh, And this is the backdrop against which the recall efforts came forward, because we've been living this in Los Angeles County and we've been seeing this rise now for the last 18 months. But we also saw the threat of this as soon as Gascon issued his directives. We had the first effort that that did not succeed crime only got worse in the in the uh, aftermath and in this interlude and now we've been working on this well others have been working on this second recall effort that uh i think you were just getting ready to tell us about the numbers about so right, tell us right. about those uh before we do that uh my first question actually not my first question but the first question some of my friends says how does this recall fail if everybody hated him and i jotted down a few a few items here in terms of you're right how does this recall fail? Crime in Los Angeles is up in multiple categories, so it's not like people weren't affected. Uh, the homicides are at a 15-year high. In all of 2021, there were 397 homicides. Uh, 37 cities voted no confidence. And, you know, as Mark said, uh, Sheriff Alex uh, Villanueva, he endorsed the recall effort. The Los Angeles Police Chief Charlie Beck renounced Gascon. And as we said earlier, 98% of his prosecutors topped that out with $8 million in, in, in money that they gathered for the recall. And this is what we got, 715,000 signatures, but a, oh, nearly 200,000, 195,000 were invalid, 520,050 were valid. 
566,857 were needed to proceed. In other words, they were shorter, you know, uh, uh, close to about 40,000. But here's 45. the real questions. And, and Mark, we'll talk about your article when we get into the questions. Uh, but you, you talked about some of this. Not registered, 88,000. Max number of times signed, the duplicates, 44,000. I'm rounding to the closest number. Different addresses, 32,000. The mismatched signatures, 9,500. Canceled, 7,400. People are already forgetting, but these are all uh, uh, the failures. Out-of-county address, 5,400. And other, uh, maybe one of you two know, because I don't know what other is, but there's 9,400. You know, so I call this the recall Gascon part do, or do, I don't know how the French say it. I can say it in my mind. But I say that because that's, it's a superficial, unnecessary, or overly bad sequel to a classic film. In other words, they weren't able to improve from the recall Gascon now. Uh, Mark, who made up the recall group, and were any members from the first recall on the second recall group? And if not, why not? It was the same people, obviously. So there's this firm uh, that basically were hired by um should i say names venture strategic is one of the firms that was one of the vendors for you know for this uh recall effort initially and then what happened was um uh they their excuse the first round was oh there's uh you know there's another group uh us basically which was we're small potatoes okay they're the ones that can raise millions of dollars. We know that. But what's wrong with having other efforts that can supplement um, the overall cause? Broad and no, diversified. They wanted right, to shut, exactly. Yeah, they wanted to shut anyone from the grassroots out. They were not willing to work together. So, but I took their argument and said, you know, uh, maybe they have a point. They're going to raise a lot of money and they will spend that money, hopefully, wisely and get the second round together. So we stepped aside and shut down our pack. And I was happy to do that. And I was even happy to donate the remaining proceeds of our very little. I think we raised, what, like $30,000 when it was all said and done. And we had like 6000 left over. Okay, yeah. And then in the end, whatever was left over, I voted, and I know Karen didn't agree with me on this, uh, to send that money over to that group that would uh, then um, use that money hopefully wisely. And they did a great job fundraising, basically getting $8 million out of donors and making a big spectacle out of it. But guess what? As we predicted, they did not do their due diligence. So I don't want to be hearing, you know, as a stakeholder in this, as an L.A. County business and someone that got active in the community to help the recall of this bad D.A. I don't want to hear excuses, OK, that uh, they hired. They're fighting with the firm that they hired. Why did you hire this shady signature gathering from firm Florida that couldn't do their job? Yes, from Florida, nonetheless. And you're from Orange County, so you guys are trying to run this L.A. recall without knowing how diverse we are in L.A., how we need to micro-target, you know, problems that existed in the first round that 
I could see these South Orange County grifters had no clue how to, they, you know, they probably never even stepped foot into South Central LA in their life. Right. So right. it was they, absolutely they embarrassing. The they lack the yes. nuance of understanding the community, the people, and exactly uh, what was happening. Uh, you, you know, it's it, it's a situation in which it doesn't make sense to me. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most people would agree. I view the people running the for the second recall here as as the money bags, the people in power. But I but I view the conservative grassroots as the muscle. They're the ones that are going to be out with passion, out on the streets, making the cause. And having run a business as well, there's a disconnect with somebody who's just working for their check. You know, when you're paying people to walk uh, and, and they're counting each house, however they get paid, but there's no passion. And that leads a lot of room for errors. So I would say that's actually the, the, the problem, though, that there were strategic errors. If you actually could have gotten people to walk, whether as a volunteer or to pay, that would have actually been a, a step in the right direction. But, but this did not have the strategic approach that it actually needed to take. The, it started late. There wasn't a effort well placed on the ground to actually come out the gates and hit the ground hard. And okay. we know this because by the end of March, the numbers that they were reporting were showing way too low to be successful. Uh, Leo Terrell actually called this out on his show. He actually brought on, you know, one of the consultants and kind of ripped him a new one um, and, and basically said, you're not going to hit your numbers, which is what a lot of us that were observing this are saying. It's like, why did you not start this? At, you know, the the petition went out the very end of, of January. February was lost, literally. I mean, they might have had about 50,000 signatures. By the end of March, they were saying that they had about 150,000. And then all of a sudden, their numbers kind of miraculously started to uptick, you know, and, and they made some, some pretty wild claims as to how, you know, they were getting these numbers. And to their credit, they managed to turn in 715,833 signatures, which honestly, I wasn't positive they were going to quite break 700,000 from what I saw, but they did, but only because of the duplicate signatures and the unregistered voters. And that was called out as a risk and a concern, especially the duplicate signatures. And every time it was brought up, it was trivialized, marginalized and dismissed. No, 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 we've got this covered. Right. We're verifying, we, you know, we know what we're doing, we're the professionals. Yet every time they were asked, what's your verification rate? Ignored the question, it was utter crickets. People that were watching this effort knew something was up and Every time they tried to get any sort of answers, it was dismissed and ignored. Right. No I transparency. Guys, guys, my question though is, why did it get started late? That seems to be a big issue here at the time. Uh, uh, Mark, uh, any idea or, or thoughts on that? I think Karen is better to understand this because for me, I was I just wanted to wash my hands. And I said, you know what? I'm sitting out round two. I think... Uh, you know, if they're so insistent, they want to be the professionals and the only people, you know, in this effort, I will disengage in the fullest extent. Okay, I will be there to speak, you know, say nothing negative. I was completely quiet about it. Uh, and we even gave them money by closing down our pack just to let them own it. So I, I didn't follow the day to day. Karen probably did. And I'm glad she did. And I trusted she would because... You know, uh, should this, this is why we're now talking because, you know, I had a lot of disagreements with Karen about, you know, the pack and, 
and things like that. And I said, Hey, I want to wish them the best because the cause is more important to me. Right. But you know what? Karen's warning signs were correct. And, and facts play out exactly like she had predicted because we saw those core issues. And those were the issues I was very vocal about as well when I did an article on them uh, before this recall launch. And uh, that article is also in the published reporter and they were the only ones daring enough to publish it. Actually, City Watch LA published it, then removed it. But I basically said, I have a very, very strong reservations at these same train wreck people in round one trying to run round two. But okay, we were pressured. We even had some of these deputy DAs like this guy named Mark shares my name, even the same spelling, came after both Karen and myself. And I said, wow, that was really rude. But I didn't take it personally. And I said, you know what? Let's let's step aside because I think that's the right thing to do. Let them own it. And I'm glad we did. I wouldn't I do not regret my decision because one of the bigger fights with conservative activism is exposing just how bad these Republican consultants are. I, I highly doubt they even care about the cause. They just know that they're raising money from a certain uh, uh, portion of the ideological spectrum, which is on the right. So they go after these people and it's money for them. It's a business. So they go out and we've watched them in very cunning ways and very, uh, you know, just, just uh, um, you could tell they've done this a million times, but Things have changed in the era of Trump, in the era of grassroots branding. You cannot rely on the old GOP brand anymore to win a movement like recalling a DA in Los Angeles County with all its diversity. And we kind of knew that. And those were the things we warned against. But because of all the hubris from this consultant group, as well as you know, a DA that lost to Kamala Harris and actually brought us this uh, this this terrible vice president right now. Um, I lay some of that on him, and he's trying to like revive his washed up career. He went and trashed Karen and myself. He doesn't even know me. He doesn't even know Karen, and went and trashed our character so in the news media. And I said, "Yeah, whatever." So, so in essence, the re- the second recall group went after you guys. Not right. well, William. To answer your question, though, about why the late start, why and part of that spe- speaks to the fact that the team that was in place didn't have the LA contacts. They they didn't have boots on the ground in Los Angeles County. The the individuals that were running this didn't know the players successfully enough to be able to have them trained, have them equipped, have them ready to hit the ground. They, they were relying on almost exclusively a paid effort for this. And the, the paid effort wasn't ramped up uh, to the level Florida. that it should have been. And it, it need not have been. I mean, they set the timeline for when this was going to go. They had a poor strategy of wanting to have this hit the November ballot, which was, again, one of the points that were discussed early on when the two groups were kind of sort of talking. And the fact that it would have been more strategic, it would have been more advantageous to have this after the November election, which 
honestly, if it had qualified at this point, it would have been after the November election because it didn't hit that window any further from the verification process. But they were trying to play beat the clock of getting this out so that they could potentially hit that November ballot. And that wasn't what we wanted. And the reason why that wasn't what we wanted is because we see the L.A. City Council elections that have gone and swung pretty far left. I mean, Carissa is still actually out there, you know, pretty much standing behind his, you know, backing of, of the recall, though he was pretty tepid in his backing. And, and I've heard rumors and not to repeat a whole lot of rumors, but that he wasn't going to put a lot of money into it because he questioned the group involved in the success and some of that that was there. But he did put 50,000. But in, in Caruso world, that's not a lot of money. Yeah. But he still does think Gascon should have been out. But the, to answer your question, the reason why it went late was poor preparation and poor strategy by the team that was in place to, to have set the timeline and to have had those resources on the ground in county ready to go. So specifically speaking, what kind of ground game did they have? Any ideas of how big it was or was it paid, volunteers? I mean, it seems that's the key to, to get the 30 percentage points over the signature allotment uh, to make sure that this, this doesn't fail. Yeah, we, we discussed a little bit, you know, what, what they should have had. They should have hit 800,000. And with $8 million, they should have been able to turn in 800,000 signatures because this should have qualified with the random sample. And, and what that means is, is that when the random sample was conducted, there's a verification rate. And the verification rate was actually about five and a half points higher than what it ended up being when the, the total count was completed. But had they done their due diligence, had they done their job properly, they would have turned in 110% of the signatures on the verification rate, which would have been right around 800,000 signatures. And if they had done that, would have automatically qualified for the ballot. We wouldn't have had to go through the month-long waiting process of counting every you know, signature and verifying every signature that that was underway. But they couldn't even hit that number. Again, started late. Their strategy for you know going after these signatures ended up just epically failing because they didn't have enough personnel in county to get them. So then they started a mail effort, which they didn't filter for at least properly enough for duplicates, hence the 45,000 or 43,000 and change of duplicate signatures that came from that. They did this mailing in the midst of primary season where every other day you're getting some political junk mailer. They're targeting a very select group that Many of them had already signed and it wasn't really broad enough, despite their claims of 3.6 million registered voters getting it. A ton of them did not. So their targeting for this mailing was not effective. So now you've got just a amount of money that one consultant in, in a recent Times article actually asked the question, what did they do with those mailers? Light the money on fire. Okay, this is this is how serious and how grave a mistake it was to move in their signature collection effort this way. But they were desperate to get numbers in because they knew that if they didn't turn in 700,000 signatures, they would have been laughed out at the get go. Right. They, they kept it alive just enough as though it was on life support. Right. But let, me, let me make one of them point. I know you're jumping, trying to get in, but I just want to go ahead and tie this up a little bit. Then after their effort was seen to essentially not going to make it, anyone that was actually watching this saw that the verification rate coming in at 78.1% on the random sample was only going to go down with the full verification process that took place. So during the month that we're waiting for the, the registrar to 
do their due diligence. He did a good job. You can say what you want about Logan. He's not perfect, but he, he did this one right. He called it straight and this is not on him. And in the month that was going on, the campaign gets this brilliant idea of alleging that the signature verification process was out of date to just feed the fire and fuel of conspiracy theories, which is not going to help us get Gascon out in 2024. They loaded his gun with ammunition to attack any people that oppose his reelection by claiming that, oh, the people that oppose what I'm doing are all just a bunch of, bunch of conspiracy theorists who, who don't believe in democracy and that are out here just perpetuating a big lie. Right. And um, this has been the devastating effect of this team's effort to L.A. County and what we have to live with as a result. Right. And for the audience out there, 30 percent is extremely high in terms of the numbers. Uh, you would probably see these recall types in other states that they have them. But this is California. We have a history. So we figured out uh, with formulas what the over percentage is, because nationally, the people who are involved in politics, they're screaming foul, foul. And I'm like, sure, it's foul because it's a one way, meaning they're going to check every ballot and come election. They're not, you know, but we know this. So we knew the numbers we had to reach. And what Karen has been saying is they knew that and they still yes. chose not to hit it to to make so they wouldn't look. They turned things in at the time they did so they wouldn't look bad with the 700,000. Essentially, one thing that has to be called out, though, is, is that there's a really bad civics lesson that's going on right now. And this is being perpetuated by a bunch of people on Twitter with blue check marks that don't understand how a recall process actually works. You hear them over here screaming. Donald Trump Jr. was actually one of them talking about, oh, this, you know, verification rate of ballots. There were no ballots. There wasn't a recall yet. This was a verification of signatures on a petition. And the standard for verifying signatures on a petition is it's not the signature that's actually being matched. It's is the person a registered voter? Are they in Los Angeles County? Did they right. sign twice? These are all the things that were being disqualified in the petition, in the verification of petition signatures that are completely separate from ballot signatures or ballot verification, which is also why this, this alleged call of we want observers and we want to see what's going on. You had the signatures, you were supposed to verify them, and you get the disqualified signatures back to examine for 21 days. All of this is just, it, it's as though they've never run a recall. They don't understand the process. And all they're trying to do is stir up dust. Again, that's a, 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 a quote and a phrase from, I think it was Joshua Spivak. He's like, why are they fabricating these tales? What's with this narrative? It just stirs up that dust to cause confusion and commotion on an effort that they should just be taking accountability and responsibility for and saying, mea culpa, we screwed up. Now, we do want Gascon out in 2024. Clearly, we're not the team to do it. We need to just go back to Orange County. Mark. Zero humility. Yes. Zero humility. Mark. And, and that's one of the things that really bothers me the most about um, you know, these political consultants. It's like, you know, it was so transparent, the damage control they were doing instead of just saying, hey, we screwed up because, you know, uh, I know Karen uh, explained a lot of this stuff. She's been following it play by play, but I know enough to know that it's completely disingenuous for them to be 
Uh, even when I saw that they were trying to like blame it on, you know, come up with these conspiracy theories, I said, wow, the nerve of these people, they can't do their job right. And then now they're going to like access like, uh, you know, the alt-right uh, type of, uh, you know, messaging and, and hope that that will give them a pass from not doing their job properly. And, it's well and also grifting all this money. You know, it seems to have worked on a national level because what I find frustrating is everybody's blaming, uh, saying, saying foul, foul, fraud, etc. And all this is doing is shooting the, the incompetence of the people who run our state politically uh, the, in terms of Republican Party leadership, even though they, they're like, hey, this wasn't us. These were your people. <laughs> you know, don't tell me it wasn't us. It may not have been you on the official form, but it was your people. It, as you all said earlier, they pushed you guys out because money does that. You know, so uh, were salaries, is that public, were the salaries that these individuals, am I looking too deep yes. into it? Or was that a big chunk of the $8 million or a good chunk of it going to salaries? You can uh, pull the 460 forms uh, for anyone who's interested. And I would encourage people that might watch this that actually want to learn more about this. If you go to, if you type into Google LA County finance reports or campaign finance reports, you're going to get the, the website for it. It's a, like apps1.la county voter, something along those lines. But you can search for the committee and you can pull it up and it's it's several hundred pages, but everything is well documented. Uh, the, I, I will give mad props uh, to the controller uh, that they have. They, they had a very ethical uh, a treasurer uh, who did document um, everything extraordinarily well uh, in terms of the, the paperwork and, and the financial uh, statements that were there. How right, the money right. was spent, now that's their finance director and that's a totally different discussion. How the money was spent is exactly the problem because with $8 million, there was zero reason why they shouldn't have had 800,000 signatures, especially when a quarter of the, the signatures were being turned in by volunteers. They could have paid 13 bucks a signature and they could have gotten 600,000 paid signatures, 200,000 volunteer signatures, 800,000 turned in, and we'd be looking at a recall election for Gascon, which is what we should be seeing. Right, right, and right. William but Karen, William to your point caught, real quick. Well, they're to your being point, called grifters. They're being called grifters. Well, and, and that's why I asked the salary question. So right. do we know their salaries and what they made? Do, do either I heard a report. I have not it? added up everything. I did look at the 460s because I can I can conclusively state that eight million was raised, forty-six thousand was cash uh, left on hand. That's on your like front page of it. I did scroll through to see some of the large expenditures um, that, that were made. And, and there were individuals and organizations that were into the millions in, in terms of, of what they, they were paid. Um, so, you know, I would encourage people to add up the, those figures themselves um, and to go into that um, in greater detail. But to your point, William, the local folks that are covering this in the news, I, I know exactly what you're saying at the national level, those blue check marks and people that just are using this as a talking point about whether it's voter integrity, which it's really not. But the local folks are starting to get wind to this and they're starting to actually ask some much harder questions. And they're asking, what happened with $8 million? Why wasn't this successful? You know, we deserve better answers and blaming Logan is not a sufficient answer whatsoever. Let, let's just right. say this. If uh, if they're claiming that Logan is fraudulent or whatever and doing this, he didn't even have to be fraudulent in this situation. Well said. That's the whole thing. It's <laughs> hey, Mark, Mark, talk to why, me. Why do that? You know, Mark, yeah, we've noticed the term consultant throughout 
us three know what it means for California. But when you use the term professional consultants in regards to the Republican Party uh, to the detriment uh, of the people, that, that's how we're hearing it. What exactly do you mean by the professional consultants? How are they so enmeshed where they seem to be controlling and creating a lot of these losses? That's a very good question, William. I'm glad you're asking that because, yeah, it sounds like we're creating a boogeyman, right? But honestly, there are good consultants. I'm not going to uh, knock all of them. But what, what we have in Orange County is quite a dynamic of a few consultants that have been so used to winning by default and not doing any work because Orange County used to be the reddest county. It's what happens in a generation when uh, demographics change and, you know, uh, it gets urbanized. So there's a lot going on there. But that, that those macro trends exposed just how little work a lot of these enmeshed consultant class in Orange County um, have, you know, who have been running campaigns since the 90s is the same people, the same firms, the same bloated firms that have access to all these donors and take all the money and, you know, sell them something because they know the donors are not going to do their due diligence. They're like, they can tell them a few things and say, hey, we're the ones that are running campaigns. We'll win this. But the reality now is the track record is so bad. Like the fact that they had $8 million and couldn't get this recall through on a ballot is hilarious because it goes to show our and arrogant because they will not take any help from others. They want to be the ones controlling everything. Um, I dealt with this in the elder campaign as well. Just absolutely fascinating how these people, uh, you know, are so controlling over the movement as if they can be the ones to do all the heavy lifting to make, you know, to to make uh, a recall happen when you really need the whole community by your side. I'm not saying that I'm any great person, but by shutting me out, they shut off a lot of arteries to the community that could have helped maybe make the difference between those last last few signatures needed. But burning bridges like this is, you know, what they do in the name of, dealt with this also with elder campaign on a few things when I helped them raise so much money. And then I just kind of like teased it. I said, hey, I'm raising you all this money. Shouldn't I get a commission? Oh, you won't imagine the way they acted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't need the money, but I was just like, hey, let's, you know, let's check this out. And these people are such money grubbers and really can't even produce the results. I'm fine if you raise $8 million and you get the job done. That just goes to show fundraising prowess. Yes. But the fact that you're going to be the, the recall uh, be all end all and gatekeeper because they can have other packs exist because they have to be the sole pack and yet fail at that tells me that's a crime to Republican donors, to conservative and not even just conservatives, but also to the community and the people and we the people, the Angelinos that are affected by crime. So shame on them. Shame on that consultant class that's mostly from Orange County. And but I'm actually glad to see that their their laziness 
and their lack of due diligence and lack of follow through is catching up to them finally. Recall right gatekeepers a really good way to put that because there's this inner circle and it's this back padding and it is if you're not you know in this inner circle then you don't get the the invitations you don't get the leads you don't get ever brought into this and so you you know have to have you know grease the right palm or shook the right hand or know the right person and so it's not actually rewarding quality work it's not necessarily rewarding effective work it's not rewarding the the smartest or or the hardest workers um, that are out there it it rewards the ones who like I say know somebody who knows somebody that you know is in this this little inner circle that that never allows for others to to enter into because there's always this shutout that's going on it's it's like bad high school politics you know 101 or something you know actually Karen actually it's running a bad business and they would go under because most businesses have a fundraising operation but they can work with but they not they're not tied to the day-to-day -day or the strategic planning to get the operation going. All they need to know from the operations people, this is how much money we need. Yet the consultants kind of want to do it all, want to do it all in-house. So, so, so they may be a jack of all trades, but they're experts uh, of nothing. And in these elections, with the ballot harvesting, with everything going one way, the Democrats' way, Having this, you, we kind of we have to get like thirty percent over just on election day, you know. And let, let me let me add something on this, okay? You know, Karen had mentioned the quote from the Democratic consultant that said they just lit their money on fire. Let me tell you, as an Orange County resident, how much crap mailers I get. Like it just never ends and it's the same consultant they all look the same tending is so tired and so uninspired and it's the same template and literally if you look at results mailers don't really move the needle obviously mimi walters lost in 2018 so did dana rohrbacher all these same consultants were running those those campaigns and it just doesn't work and the Democrats know this. The Democrats know they have to get out in the community. And that's why they have, you know, the, the results to prove it as well. That's why they can ballot harvest. That's why they can do all these things. Republicans try to ballot harvest, but they never do it because they have no community um, roots or, or, or arteries. That's right. Yeah, that, that, that's that's very. I'm so glad you said that because I've been screaming at this at the top of my lungs. I'm like, if you don't have an infrastructure, we can't do what Democrats are doing because Democrats are built on an infrastructure, and that's what the these professional consultants are lacking. For example, yes. that Florida group that came in. This is foreign territory. Their boss should have said the first thing you do: get a hold of the grassroots leaders and figure out how to work. Now. People that was not supposed to be, hang on, time out on that, just to clarify and to call out appropriate connections of where they were made. The, the paid signature collection firm should have actually been reporting to the ground team that was already in place. So if, you, if you're just setting up the infrastructure to understand the organization of the business that's there. And what happened is, is that the ground team was non-existent. They brought in a guy from Orange County who didn't know what the heck he was doing and as far as I'm concerned, sounded like a used car salesman every time I talked to the man. 
Oh yeah, you know, it was but, terrible. But, but the reality is, is that this is who was actually supposed to be ensuring that people were manning their stations and their booths, that the paid signature gatherers were doing the job that they were supposed to be doing. And it was so bad that, okay, I was not involved in the second effort, like, you know, at all, okay? But I was still getting phone calls from people that are like, where's the booth that's supposed to be here? Because like they couldn't find anyone else to actually answer that question. And so it's like, I can give you a number of like, who's actually running it. I would pass the information along and say, try giving this number a call because that's all that I can do for you. But that's the type of failed infrastructure that you're talking about. And, and that's who the consultants and the fundraisers chose to bring in to run the ground game, which is what was called out as a risk early on Again, right. when, when we were raising these concerns of like, what are you doing about this and this and this? And it was, we don't care because it doesn't affect our bottom line. It doesn't affect how much money we're going to bring right. in. It doesn't affect to the fact that we're there still going to There was a whole pets. lot of ID gaff. That's right. what it is. Right. You know? No one cared. And we saw that in round one. That's why I was deathly against it. Because I'm like, you know, you don't understand LA County is a beast. It's so diverse. There's different, you've got to do different things to reach that number. And they just thought that they could hire a Florida firm, which, you know, and then they want to have a very public argument with them after because they wanted to find a scapegoat for their own incompetence. Why don't you hire LA community groups? Why don't you do things like that and work with the community and do that extra work? No, you just want to be a money power player. Okay. And then do the low hanging fruit, even though this firm had shady connections. Okay. And I said this on one American news today because one American news, you know, Dan ball, God bless him. I love that guy, you know, and, and I, I so appreciate him because he has me on because I will tell the truth despite, you know, it's not in line with whoever's agenda, whether it's the democratic agenda or the Republican agenda, the Republican agenda wants to be like, Oh, there's voter fraud or whatever. Well, like Karen said, there's no votes here. They're just petition signatures. Right. So, right. you know, I'm going to call out that, that, that they dropped the ball by hiring this Florida firm that right. is on them. The buck stops with the gatekeeper. And, right. and not and, only uh, that, though, just to clarify, I mean, there's actually a couple of different firms that actually were hired for this. The Florida one is getting the most attention because of the lawsuit that's actually taking place. But but the reality is, is that they didn't have enough connections that were local. That's why they actually had to go out of state. I mean, they, they needed at least 200 boots on the ground, okay, minimum. And so that's why they went, because they didn't have those connections. They didn't have those resources. They didn't know who to go to to get that number of people into the field. So they, they went out to whoever they could get at the lowest price, essentially, that they could. I mean, you know, uh -huh. I mean, you talk about, you know, what you get for the dollar, you know, for the value of your dollar. But, but the reality is, is that they had more than enough time. And what should have been happening is exactly what Mark said yet again. There should have been those pockets of community organizations that you go to. You go to, you know, I mean, you can, you can go to the party to a degree and LAGOP played in this a little bit. They have some resources, probably not a significant enough for, for all that was there. But if you had actually, and you know, the recall Newsom effort, and I, I hear that Mike Netter actually just did a interview on this to put in his two cents, but they had a pretty big team of people. Some of them went over to, you know, various groups. Some of them volunteered, some of them did get paid, 
But when you, when you look at how they ended up dissecting Los Angeles County, and when you look at who they put in the leadership roles for those different sections, the question was, is did they really have the people that had the people to get the numbers that they needed? And the simple reality was, is that they didn't, and they needed to build a better infrastructure, or they needed to seek out a stronger infrastructure that already existed, but they didn't uh, do and, that and, either. And let, Hi, me guys. Just, uh, uh, let me add on that, William, before we move on. Uh, Karen brings up a very good point. You know, um, the people that they relied on were people, you know, birds of a feather flocked together, right? So they relied on people that were political. This is not political. This is a community thing, okay? They relied on these people like this one woman. I should just say her name, Cynthia G., she was so terrible to to me and, you know, um, just on, on things like we didn't agree on Elder versus whatever Kylie at the time and went after me. They put people like that that want to be, they're like political wannabes, okay? And I've been at this way longer than this woman who just suddenly came on the scene and wanted to like dominate everyone. And that type of thing turns off volunteers. So you have leaders like that on the ground that are turning off actual volunteers and productivity, which ultimately leads to the downfall of the whole infrastructure. So you need to deal with people that are human beings. I'm sorry, a lot of people in politics are not human beings. They are these power hungry shells of, they, they might as well be robots or zombies. The LA GOP has a lot of that as well. They only know how to be political. And when right. you're political like that, you basically negate the ability to connect on an issue like law and order, crime and safety, taking care of your family, taking care of your community. So you literally had the worst ambassadors running around leading to the infrastructure falling apart. Right. And the eventual and, result and, and, was that the efforts devolved to a point where they were sitting in a campaign office waiting for mail to come to them rather than going out to the voters, holding conversations, knocking on doors, which should have happened from the get-go, but again, that was a strategic difference as well that was just never going to be bridged because it was going to cost more money, which would have cut into those salaries that we've been talking about all along. But it ended up with literally the last three weeks just sitting in an office, barely you know twiddling thumbs because people went into that office at various points in time and saw very little activity taking place. And it's like, oh, the mail's coming, the mail is coming. It's like, you can't rely on mail to get this done. And we can see exactly why. Mail may have brought in some of the numbers. It definitely brought in duplicate petitions, you know, that we're seeing. And it definitely did not bring in sufficient enough numbers to get this right, onto the ballot. Right, right, right. It's and it's a situation, like I was saying earlier, they weren't talking one one group was trying to control everything. At the end of the day, the numbers didn't match up because they didn't work together or or the people they hired, they weren't communicating with it again. It's how businesses are poorly run. And before we go back on to Gascon here real quick, uh, Mark, they did actually come out publicly and play the wine game, the poor me game, by stating that half a million residents placed valid signatures on a petition to initiate the recall, blah, 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 to deprive them of the opportunity to restore public safety in their own communities is heartbreaking. And what I took offense with was, it was your job to go out and get the signatures. We know how the world works. That public wants to support you, but one, they may not know where to find you. Two, you have to go out 
to them. So this was a complete cop-out uh, to save face. Uh, and before we go to, to some of the final comments here, the final portion of the discussion, this burned me up too, but I would have done this too if I was Gascon, you know? Uh, grateful to move forward from this attempted political power grab. Rest assured, LA County, the work hasn't stopped. My primary focus has been and will always be keeping us safe and creating a more equitable justice system for all. I remain strongly committed to that work and to you. And I took so much offense. It was like Obama. People said, "What did? why did Obama drive you crazy? It's because coming from a third world country, I've seen this over and over, studying history. When somebody promises hope, uh, it's one thing to, to actually try to bring hope and a better life, but it's another thing to know you're just flat out lying because that's the ultimate betrayal to your constituents is when they believe, uh, and some still do, that he's bringing hope. And I took great offense to that. So so first Mark and then Karen, uh, what can the recall uh, group do? Because honestly, 30% over, we know the formulas, we know what they should have gotten to cover their tails. But at the end of the day, what are the odds, Mark, uh, uh, that they can squeeze out enough uh, ballot signature by doing uh what can that in terms of reviewing i'm assuming the uh the ballots karen shaking her head can uh, there's not a chance in hades it's over so there's a outside of that one uh form it's kind of like an appeal it's a formality they're pre we're pretty much looking at a done deal here because they're trying to give hope instead of saying no we, we're, we're going to go review every signature you know, well, first of all, any idea how much that would cost to review every signature? I mean, well, they got eight million, so why ask that question? <laughs> well, they have forty-six thousand cash on hand left. No, they're broke. Okay, okay. Uh, so, so Gascon, his comments and, and the aftermath. He's come out and said that some of the DDAs have already contacted him, and they felt they were forced or coerced. Uh, is there any truth to that, Mark? Uh, what's the question again? Uh, Sorry, I'm... So some of his, Gascon is stating that some of his DDAs have, have gone to him and said, I was forced to do this or I was coerced to do this. Well, of course, they're scared now because, you know, he fought back this effort. So you're going to have the people with no spine that are going to, you know, going to try to like be in good graces again. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by Gascon's statement. Um, like you said, you know, it's only logical he would come up with a statement like that. So, you know, he won because of Republican incompetence, because of political consultants that hijacked this. And we know all the details. So I really want this episode documented because we had warned and I documented this in the media. I have time stamped essays that I wrote before this round two even launched to tell them how bad round one was. Right. Right, you know. Oh, well, uh, hate to say I told you so. Honestly, uh, I haven't said it uh, throughout the show yet, but I just figured it would fail. The reason we got the recon Newsom is because it was fed and they had an infrastructure of grassroots. There was never an infrastructure here. And when I when Karen told me the numbers they had to achieve, I'm like, they're not going to get it because it's not that number. It's the thirty some plus percentage points they have to get over, and that's where I thought. It, they would struggle and obviously they did this was not people who know politics here in california to the listeners this wasn't rockets you didn't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out the odds of this failing was higher but in these people's defense 
Fox News, the, uh, the the recall group itself. I mean, they were like, we had the signature. They were giving the perception it's a done deal. Yeah, and, and, and it wasn't. Final question, uh, Karen, first. Is Gascon more powerful today than he was yesterday? He's certainly more arrogant than he was. Uh, I, I, I can't... He, he will continue to flex to a degree. He does have a 29% approval rate. He does have a, a re-election that's coming up in two years. And it, it depends on if there's still this continued feeding of ammunition to him. Uh, the, the the best thing that can be done to kind of answer your the first question that you started to ask, and, and I'm going to morph it a little bit, you know, what can the recall group do is get out of the way. It has not worked. Your strategy is only going to strengthen, and as, as Mark correctly said, embolden Gascon. And if it doesn't embolden him in terms of power, it's certainly emboldening him in terms of of political, you know, uh, kind of popularity. At least among some groups, some PR. It gives him free press. It gives him free media. And like I say, it just feeds into his arrogant hubris to, to no extent. So well, I mean, you know, uh, I, I think we will see Gascon at least being a little guarded, you know, that the Tubbs incident, the the officers that have been passing away, these are black eyes on him and he can't just shrug them off completely. And even though he survived the recall does not mean that those matters are not going to come up for his reelection. Right. So and he's, he's stronger than he should be. And he's only been, you know, given extra life uh, that he didn't need to be given. Is he able to be defeated in 2024? I certainly hope so. Let's not give him more oxygen. Let's not make any more mistakes to strengthen him, which means let's have exit stage left of a group that their messaging has been off point. It has been unsuccessful. And right now that is only strengthening him when you're getting a, an extremist conspiracy theory that is, is going to be ammunition for him to use in 24. Right, Mark, to add to that, the reason I think he's probably emboldened a little bit, not today or not tomorrow, but in the coming weeks he's going to feel emboldened is he beat the recall not once but twice, you know? Uh, and, and and in political terms, to me, he may be thinking, I have a mandate now. When a criminal gets caught and they go back to it, they're going to try to be more careful. I wonder if he will continue, in fact, I'm pretty sure he probably will continue with these policies, be a little bit more careful uh, of who he actually lets out. I mean, so, so he doesn't let the person out who's going to stab somebody 30 times. He lets a person who's going to mug somebody and put him in ICU. It's a slim difference, but my point is he's going to be more careful, and I think he may be feeling emboldened. So is he more powerful today than he was yesterday? And, and do you think I have uh, uh, legitimacy in stating that he may be emboldened because of what happened? Yeah, I that that's why I said that in my article. I really believe that he's going to be a lot, uh, a lot more. Like, I mean, he got away with a crime, so when you get away with something, you'll want it. You'll probably double down, and that's what Newsom did when he survived his recall. Right. So I'm actually against recalls now. <laughs> that's that's honestly one of the reasons I also was like happy to step out of round two because I said. You know, you you drain all these resources and then in the end for what, you know, if you don't win it, right. it ends up becoming a net negative and it emboldens the criminal or right. the bad person, you know, in this case. So right. financially and politically, you know, those eight million could have gone uh, to some upcoming races in some form or fashion. Eight million dollars would fund a congressional race. This was absurd. It was it was 
just a debacle. Right. That was stupid. You know, this was, I could tell you two were very passionate about this. This was close to you. Uh, for me, it, it, it's another political defeat that has deep roots because of the perception. And again, what I view now, he may think he has a mandate. Uh, but to the audience, thank you for listening. Uh, we are sportsgrumblings.com. This is Fired Up. But before I let you go, Mark, talk to me about Minority Retort, your book. I want to make sure uh, you get that in. Tell us a little bit about that and what you expect it. Thank you. I actually have to go through the final editing stages tonight on it. I got lots of my publisher uh, uh, trilogy, uh, which is uh, TBN, uh, Trinity Broadcasting. So for the Christian audience, um, trying to wake the Christian audience up to say being Christian is not being meek and timid. Sometimes you have to be salt of the earth and actually stand up and, and fight for what is good and what is true in a world where lies are becoming the norm and become delusions are becoming uh, celebrated versus uh, addressed properly. So, uh, you know, the book, uh, I'm so excited because pretty much it's done and we have, you know, everything, all the topics from a perspective that is coming from, not from a partisan thing. Obviously I'm a conservative, but there's a lot of things where I challenge people to look deeper Like we have Senator Ted Cruz, for example, who I usually like on things that voted recently for the Big Cat Safety Act. And I was actually involved with a lot of the people from Tiger King. And I saw that, you know, despite what you think of them, you don't allow the government to seize private property. Sorry, whether it's your animals, your land, that is an issue that is shocking that Senator Ted Cruz would side with Carol Baskin, uh, which was the, you know, most of America watched it and said, oh, she's clearly not a good person. And so things like this and then working with PETA because they're desperate to get in good graces. Let's look at the history of PETA and what they've done to torture animals. I mean, all of these things, let's not default to our political party, but look for the truth and what is common sense. And the and minority retort goes into that, whether it's the Tiger King stuff, whether it's issues like transgender, whether it's issues like abortion. Um, I try to talk about things that everyday people will understand versus the world of politics. I do talk about politics. I do talk about business, but all that stuff, it's very well-rounded, I think. So I'm very excited to release it. Should be out probably in the next couple of months or so. And and where can people find your work or follow you? Uh, They can follow me on markang.us, M-A-R-C-A-N-G.us. That's my like website for what I write. But Google me, I come up as an official author and journalist. So it's kind of funny. Google now recognizes me as that. So, well, we'll um, make sure we have a handle where they can find you. Uh, no worries at all. And, and again, you two were passionate tonight. Uh, you kind of ran me off the side of the road, but I was happy to let you explain we were fired to the up. audience. What do you expect? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mark, I hope to have you back again uh, at the latest when your book comes out so you can maybe uh, talk a bit more in depth about it. And Karen, as always, it's good to have you on. And to America and the world, this is Fired Up, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much, William. Thanks, William. Karen. Thanks, Bye-bye. Mark.